Hello, this is Valerian Magatsu, and this is Can You Fathom Podcast. Today, I will introduce the sponsors, Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Awesome, great meals. I actually got a coupon from some random man in the plaza, and I decided to plug them uh, because I really like their food. Their um, meat sandwiches are very meaningful. Get it? Like, meaningful, but with meat? Ha ha! Anyways, they cater, and you can go on 866-BARBECUE. Dial that in on your phone, or get the Dickies app, and they'll cater for you. And, uh, they give you these huge cups, and they're pretty awesome. You get to take them home, and, you know, pour Budweiser, or whatever Dickies customers eat Sneak and drink. over to the custard's machine, fill it all up, and run out of the restaurant as fast as you can. That sounds about right. So our second sponsor will be introduced by Angus. So Angus, what do you got for us today? Our second sponsor, Valis Battery Pack, for use with controller. And this thing is, like, so diverse, man, because, I mean, you can use it with the Xbox One, Xbox One Slim, Xbox One Elite, Xbox One X, probably the Xbox 380 whenever that one comes out. But point blank... If you need a battery pack, you can pretty much guarantee that it'll work perfectly with your Xbox components and consoles. Yeah, I mean, it's it's used in pretty much every room in the house, which there's two Xboxes. And, I mean, the battery packs don't die. I can testify for that. You can get them on Amazon for a pretty fair price. Anyways, we got the sponsors out of the way. And today I want to introduce our guest, which read the second sponsor which thank you very much angus yeah no problem man. uh angus is a traveler that came from hawaii he actually has done some world travels himself he's a interesting guy his major is business yeah that's correct and uh he just moved into california and this is his first year so uh angus would you like to tell us a little bit about life in hawaii yeah sure man so Honestly, like, gosh, where can I begin? I lived in Hawaii for about five and a half years, and I moved there as soon as I was done um, traveling around, like, America, right? Because originally I grew up in, like, the Northwest, and uh, family did some traveling on the road for a long while. So we kind of knew that Hawaii was going to be the conclusion to that journey, which also lasted for about uh, half a decade. So anyway, we arrived there, and <laughs> it was like the dead of night, I remember, going down this driveway, and we saw like some wild hogs and stuff like going down, like it was like totally raining, and we just felt like we were like totally lost, but sure enough, there was like a lady at the bottom saying, oh no, you're not lost, this is it, and... Yeah, that was like the first night in Hawaii. There were geckos everywhere. There were cockroaches. I mean, everything's living in Hawaii. I guess that's sort of the point, right? Because, like, tropical islands, so everything is crawling around. Everything's living. Everything is uh, surviving <laughs> off of you, basically. Yeah, it sounds like really dense and interesting, like an interesting place to live. You told me that the dynamic of how people interact like the locals and 
kind of the outsiders. There's kind of that social dynamic. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So basically, how do I put this? So if you're like, if you move to the island and you haven't like lived there, you're just sort of at a disadvantage because unless you've lived there for about, uh, I'd say like give it a decade, right? People need to be used to seeing your face. There's such a tourism market when it comes to Hawaii, especially, that everybody's used to seeing somebody arrive only on a contract, and then they just, like, they disappear, right? Or they come to visit the island, and then they disappear. It's a reoccurring theme, and it genuinely sucks, because even in the five years that I lived there... It happened to me multiple times, and it does leave you kind of jaded, like you do not want to, you don't really want to, like, talk to anyone or get to know anyone, like, man, this isn't going to be worth my effort in the end, because they'll just disappear. Uh, the other part about it is, really, everybody on the island knows each other. It was kind of a running joke, big island, small world. So that that was like the joke of the island. So big island, small world. Yeah, exactly. So you knew everybody, which had its ups and downs. You know, you run into somebody at the market maybe that you like or get along with, but it also meant that everybody knew everyone else long before you arrived on the island, and so it could feel really isolating at times, because. Everybody has their friends groups, and nobody really needs you, if that makes any sense. Like, uh, you're just another person on the island. Uh, you're just another tourist, basically, to them, if you're not a local, right? Yeah, I was gonna, like, basically, like, you're just another Halley boy. That's Howley. what they would call it. Wow. Okay. So I noticed that you told me some interesting experiences with the island itself. Which island of Hawaii did you live in again? Uh, I lived on the Big Island. Okay. What does the Big Island go by in specific? So, people just call it Hawaii. Hawaii. Basically, that's a huge misconception. People that are tourists will call it Hawaii. I'm sure I've even called it like Hawaii a couple times here. But it's actually pronounced Hawaii, and the reason for that is because V in the Hawaiian language... Um, or W, I should say, sounds like a V. So, oh, wow. it's pronounced Hawaii. Hawaii. And so, since the big island oh. is the main island of Hawaii, it would just be called Hawaii. There wouldn't, it's just not, it's not called the big island unless it's just in like a quick reference or something. Is there any words that you would like to teach us besides mahalo and, uh, and aloha? I didn't get the chance to learn many words. The ones that I do know, actually, and this is going to be kind of funny, but it's Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So, let me think. I know that Happy New Year was Makahiki Hoi. Makahiki Hoi. And Merry Christmas was Melikaliki Maka, which I'm sure you've heard actually like on the popular song that came from the islands. And actually, speaking of popular songs that came from the islands, uh, Val, have you seen um, The Wizard of Oz? Have you yes. seen it, read the book? 
Yeah, you know the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow? That actually came from Hawaii. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. I wouldn't never really read into it. Uh, okay, so I know a little bit more about the cultural background on you, which is interesting because you've been all over the place, and we'll circle back to that. But I remember you clearly telling me about this experience where you were some sort of security supervisor and there were people that were on drugs living amongst the bushes. Can you tell the audience about that? Because that was kind of an interesting story upon meeting you. Yeah, so I was doing security over at the... What was that shopping center called? It was called the Comico Shopping Center. And I was there... And I was doing, like, my rounds. And it would always get kind of sketchy at night. Because... Exact, it's exactly like you said. They, I will, they all would all hide in the tall grass. Because everything grows in Hawaii. Uh, if you look up elephant grass, it gets much taller than you. And that's basically what it was. So they would all be hiding in the tall grass. And it would be, like, the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, you'd see, like, a man go, like, running back into the bushes... Or something as you're doing a patrol. There were tons and tons of stray cats. It could be just really kind of spooky at times. Uh, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Like yeah. Human beings running out of the tall grass in the middle of the nighttime. Or running the up the hill because the shopping center, I mean, it sat basically in a valley. So, like, you would run up to, like, the highway and then, like, cross the street onto the crosswalk and then just disappear or whatever you had to do. But, um, yeah, Hawaii also definitely, like, had a bit of a drug problem, which I'm sure that played a role. Meth hit the islands really, really hard. Um, kind of, kind of recently, I think, like, just only about a decade or so ago. And there's been groups now that, like, totally fight it. But you can see a lot of the damage that it's done to, um... The people, like, on the island and to families and so on. Like, uh, you can always tell as well because, uh, teeth. Like, Ooh, meth, yeah. always, meth just destroys your teeth. And so everybody would always be on edge whenever they saw someone, like, toothless, whether they were clean or something was wrong with them. I'm sorry, there's some comedy in that. That's terrible that I'm <laughs> laughing at that, but it's hard for me not to. I, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry, right? So it. It makes sense. Okay, so we know that you're basically, in a sense, a part of you is Hawaiian now. And this is a joke to any of my followers that are listening that are Hawaiian. Please don't be offended. Okay, so now when it comes to travel, we know that you've been in Hawaii. You've seen the tweaks. You've seen the the beautiful parts of it. You've been stuck in traffic there. Um, would you like to talk about travel outside of Hawaii? Where have you been outside of Hawaii? So, I traveled across the country in an RV, a 35-foot RV. They called it uh, the Jefferson Juggernaut, based off of uh, last Jefferson name. The Jefferson Juggernaut. Your last name's Jefferson. Okay. Yep. Angus Jefferson. Yeah, so we traveled all across the country in that thing. Ah, oh, man. We started off in Washington State. We worked our way to Oregon and California, of course, which we'd been to both before. Over to Arizona, New Mexico, 
Texas, up through Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, swung back over to like Montana, Idaho, and looped through Wyoming, dipped into Colorado, visited some friends, and by that point we made our way to the East Coast. So to summarize, I've been to every single state except for Alaska. I've Mm -hmm. virtually lived in every single state because we traveled for um, five and a half years and spent at least a month, um, if not numerous months, in like every single state. Technically, you could say you're more American than a lot of people because you've seen a lot, pretty much America. Yeah, but I've seen different pockets of America, like... You've got, like, you know, kind of, um, for example, you have, like, the Northwest accent, which doesn't sound like anything special. It sounds really boring, to be honest. You've got, like, the surfer dude of California, man. You've got... T- you've got <laughs> I love Texas. that you emphasize it, man. <laughs> surfer dude of California, which is common. I have a surfer friend, and I think he says man quite a bit. Uh, yeah, or Texas... Had a little fire department. There seems to be a fire over here. I think stop from some oil. <laughs> um, oh, jeez. What others? Uh, if you... you've ever seen the show Fargo, have you seen that one by chance? It was a small series. I forget what it aired on. It captured North Dakota and... Um, the North Dakota, Minnesota, basically kind of like a Northeast or North Midwest. They captured it very well, their accents. Oh, yeah, it's cold in Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> it now, you also said that you've been to Stonehenge, you said? Yep, I've been to London and I visited England, actually. That was my last travel. I flew into London and stayed in London for a couple of weeks. And from there, I made my way over to Bristol. And from Bristol, I was able to see Stonehenge because it sits in that area. Um, It's located kind of between Tentacle Castle, a small city called Exeter, and of course... Oh, excuse me. And of course, Stonehenge. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a really easy... The best part about Europe is you can never be lost. Like, if you find a bus, you'll find a train station. And if you find a train station, you can go anywhere and do anything. Like, it's literally, like, that simple. You just gotta remember that logic, so... Which helps, because, honestly, the directions that I was given most of the time over there were, oh, walk that away... And that way, it seems very vague, doesn't it, Val? Because yeah, when would... they say that away, they literally mean that away. I mean, they don't care if it crosses fields, whose property it might be. None of that matters. It's you just walk straight that way. In fact, that was what happened. A guy pointed me in like one direction. He said, "Just keep walking that way, and eventually you'll find a bus stop." And so I said, "Okay." And even as it got dark, I just kept walking until I could find a bus stop. Sounds like they have a pretty sound uh, public transportation system. What yeah, it absolutely blows ours completely out of the water. Like, the two don't even remotely compare to one another. Um, 
with how efficient and how effective it is. And if it's really an emergency, then there's always like cabs at the train station, which all rolls back to if you can find a bus, you can find a train station and you can find anything at that point. Well, what we seek to accomplish on this podcast is definitely thinking about the things or more talking about the things that we mostly think about through our times here, especially in America. I mean, right now we're coming into the 2020 election. Yeah, And so as we get closer to the election, I think that ideas are starting to become more and more important to individuals. And uh, I think it's cool that I met Angus because when I... When I first met Angus, it he was an interesting man because I saw that he was wearing kind of like tactical pants, and at the time I was, my job <laughs> yeah. requires me to wear the same same gear to equivalent, and uh, we talked for a little while, and um, it, it seemed as if. You were wearing some interesting shirt of, of some other... I think it was the Stonehenge shirt you were wearing. Yeah, I was wearing a shirt from Stonehenge that I actually bought. And more so than the shirt, actually, I've got a huge collection of ball caps from all my travels. So, you know, people like, you know, some people collect like uh, bottle caps or they have like uh, shot glasses, especially from the different places that they've been. Me, I've always been a huge fan of wearing ball caps. And so I've got about, I've got like a little over 40 of them. All from, yeah, all from various cities, national parks, or otherwise from across the country and also in Europe. I've got one from, uh, at least from Europe. I've got, of course, one from London. I've got one from Liverpool, and which is where a couple of cousins of mine live. And I also have. Um, one of Windsor, yeah, Windsor Castle, and which is one of the best castles, in my opinion, in the world. Like, you feel literally like you've walked into a storybook. It's just that picturesque. Sounds it's an amazing. awesome condition. You've seen so much, and you're so young, and that's such an amazing thing. Like, how does that make you feel? <clears throat> Pretty blessed. It's weird, because... On one hand, it's interesting because it always opens doors for, like, conversations. And in some way, I have run into situations, though, where it's, like, people maybe find it, like, hard to, like, relate. Or, like, it's, like, intimidating in some way. Which really doesn't feel like the case because, honestly, half the time I feel like, oh, wow, you know, like, this person, like, they've accomplished, like, so much just by, like... Just for my listeners' sake, uh, Angus is not an intimidating guy. If you see him, he's, yeah. he's, let's take that in a, in a positive light, in a very optimistic light. Uh, Angus is very approachable. But I could see how that definitely could be a little overwhelming. Because it almost feels like when you speak to someone who travels, you almost feel as if if you haven't traveled, you don't have as much to offer in terms of the conversation. You know, because yeah. Just... Yeah, that's exa- yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I think it's best for us to be as open-minded to people as we can be and to open up and to build that dialogue despite even if you've never even left like let's say your city or maybe your state i think it's it's good for you to talk to somebody that's been outside because they're going to see things that you may have never imagined you know yeah and that's part of the reason why i love traveling so much you always get to meet people 
that are part of different cultures and have different values and opinions than yourself. It allows your views to be challenged in a friendly atmosphere. And it also allows for you to inspire other people, whether it's to travel or have an open mind or to try new food. Um, all of it, all of it really can like revolve back to like travel because you have to be able to put yourself out there to see and find those different things. Yeah, so Angus recently took a personality type uh, test that I that I basically give to people that I meet before I do a podcast for the most part. And at the end of it, it's a it's a 16 personality based test. And as you can tell, Angus is very open to having dialogue. Travel does a lot for you in terms of your ability to uh, to conversate and your ability to think outside the box. What was your personality type again? Uh, I got the advocate. That's the... Oh, gosh. I don't know. Like, he's the wizard-looking dude. Like, uh, that's under... What is it? So you're like extroversion... Thinking, feeling, perception, I believe, right? ETFP? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So I'd be under ESFP, which would be extroversion sensing, feeling, perception. Now, everyone has a different per- personality architecture when it comes to psychology. And I think that it's great because Angus is very open to talking about things that, that may be kind of almost socially taboo. Controversial, and, yeah. Absolutely. So, before we start, I want to tell you guys that in this podcast, we are open to any ideas. And is this in no way, shape, or form has to have a political agenda. Uh-oh. That's not what this podcast <laughs> is about. However, Angus did one of the most bravest things I've ever seen a young man do. And I think it's amazing because this is a great time to do it. It's 2020, and that election isn't that far from now. So basically yes, what uh, what Angus did is Angus has a lot of t-shirts that reflect either where he's been or what he's experienced. But or he happens to have these. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So he had a, a gun t-shirt, and uh, we're both intertwined with academia and for my job I do have to carry however I wouldn't be as brave enough to wear any shirt that has anything to do with guns in academia and I kind of wanted him to explain how that went when he went into class oh boy so I was on campus, and it's funny because I sent Val actually a picture, like, saying, See, look, nothing's happening. The world hasn't ended. I'm wearing my beliefs clear and wide open, and I'm going to be just fine. (laughs) So, so that happened, and I wore it into class, and nobody said anything. Wait, wait, wait. Before you get to the end of that, I need to pour myself some tea. Would you like some tea? Because this is going to need a little bit of caffeine. Oh, yeah, definitely some tea. Not too much, just half a cup, really. Okay. Perfect. Let's have a toast to expressing your beliefs. To expressing your beliefs and to being open. You know, authenticity 
is under attack nowadays. And if you can't be authentic, then you're just living a lie. And eventually, people are going to see through it anyway. They'll figure it out, I'm sure. Yeah, they definitely will. So just to give everybody a vivid illustration, Angus coming in. Angus has a hat, a beard, and I'm assuming, well, we all know, the shirt. Combat pants, combat boots. I look absolutely terrifying, even though I'm the friendliest person on earth, relatively speaking. (laughs) In fact, that was one of the reasons why Val first... um, why we met. He said, what did you say? You said something really fast before I get to my campus story. Like, I like your pants. Because yeah. they were... Functional. Yeah, so a BDU pants are basically usually military uniform pants. And uh, when someone's wearing one in a uh, in, in basically jet black, it's it's almost like a SWAT uniform pants. Not only was he wearing these, these BDU pants with these... Uh, they basically have cargo pockets for... You know, magazines, tools, anything you need. Uh, he was also wearing like a, a a very functional shoe, like a trail running shoe or a, or a hiking shoe, as you would say. And uh, I just thought that that was interesting because that's the same getup I wear for work. And I just felt that it was an unusual sight because I tend to almost use uh, what people are wearing as almost the same way an anthropologist would examine clothes on you know, on an indigenous person to tell what tribe that they're in. So when I saw that he wore those pants, I knew that he was probably, he probably had some interesting ideology because where we were, it was just kind of a higher end clients. It was like very California. Um, and just, it's very uncommon for me to see a pants like that unless I'm seeing someone that's former law enforcement or military. And he is yeah. neither of those. Um, so go ahead, and I want you to really dive into, like, the teacher and your conversation, and I don't want to give away too much to the audience. I want you to do so. Yeah, so I arrived to class, and I was only, and it was just English 100, like, this is, um, a while back, but basically, I arrived, and my teacher takes one look as soon as I go up to the desk to ask him a question, because I was curious about an assignment at the time. And he says, oh, we're into guns, aren't we? Or are we, excuse me. So this caught me actually genuinely off guard. Like I was expecting a student, which in some ways maybe I would have been more prepared for. That sounds so sarcastic though. Are we into guns, are we? Like, oh, like maybe you're speaking on behalf of everyone because everyone has a different belief on that. So go ahead. I just kind of, I kind of, I I didn't hear this in full detail. So guys, just bear with me. This is my first time actually hearing this story in full detail. Professor talking to young man (laughs) with gun t-shirt. Go ahead. Keep going. I know. So he, so he said that and I said, well, I am. Yes, indeed. And he's like, well, let me show you something that maybe you are, aren't aware of. And immediately he goes to the exhaustedly overused, overrated, and utterly flawed FBI statistics. Now, don't get me wrong. They're accurate in representing um, violence caused by guns, but they do very poor for like. Wait, wait, let, let's, let's just kind of get really precise with our language here. Now, a lot of people say caused by guns. However... 
I think it's important to understand that the gun did not cause that since this is an inanimate object. It's usually the person. And yeah. I, I kind of just wanted, and I'm not trying to break down what you were saying. Go ahead, just continue. I just kind of feel like that's uh, that's also some of the language that's kind of, if you think about it, almost manipulative language in some sense. Yeah, no, that's what I meant as well. So basically, he pulls them up, but the statistic does not count for any sort of, ge- it does not count as a genuine source because it includes things like suicide, self-defense, um, when police use their service pistols, it includes all these things on it, and that alone hurts its credibility because isn't the idea, like, you know, when people think of, I think, like, gun violence, they think, oh my god, you know, there's, like, some sort of mass shooting or whatever, and that's just so minuscule despite what perhaps like media would leave you to believe so he pulls them up and the first thing i say is well 60 percent of that is based off of suicide and actually the majority of suicide comes from asphyxiation or slitting your wrists and nobody's talking about regulating rope or banning knives so that alone at least as far as the statistic goes is completely irrelevant in my opinion And he goes on to say, well, I've had friends that have committed suicide and I know that they would still be here today if they didn't have a firearm. And I said, well, if they were determined to do that, there was nothing that was really going to stop them, which is the really sad truth behind it. It's not... It could have been a rooftop. It could have been them driving off a cliff. There's easier ways than to load your firearm. I mean... To be honest, I mean, not everyone buys a firearm with the idea of, you know, their mental stability in place. Nobody buys their car thinking about their mental stability. Well, so. think about what causes even suicide in general, right? It's usually a byproduct of depression. Nobody is necessarily born with depression. Maybe they're more susceptible to it. Maybe they're not. But it's usually caused by something. And so it's not... If you were to call it a mental illness, then it's certainly a unique one in the sense that it could develop for anyone at any time for usually a very egregious circumstance, in which case there's no background check on earth that you could do to change any of that. You know, if you provide um, universal health care and mental care, that could probably change, but that leads to basically... Ooh, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> Spicy content right here in front, right here before Can the you fathom? Can you fathom? Anyways, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Sorry, I didn't mean to kind of take us down on some, some more stuff, but I mean, it's getting interesting. Keep going. Not to worry. So, he's talking about- after he said that, the professor's opinion came out. Oh. I am a pacifist. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. What does it have to do with the gun? Because... I mean, it, I could buy a gun right now. I, I'm, I'm not trying to make an argument for guns. I'm not trying to... I'm just trying to expose some things here. Because, like, you could buy a gun and just shoot toasters for all you care. You could buy a gun and only, you know, go skiing and go into the Olympics and do that target shooting Olympic. Uh, there's an Olympic game where they ride skis and they shoot twenty two caliber rifles at targets. And it's, it's, it's just right. like throwing darts. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with you fighting or not. 
You know, there's a good there's a good chance I've met people that own weapons. Uh, they're not even weapons in 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 their instance. They only use them for hunting, like quail or ducks. So see, this is where it gets really unusual because this goes down into personal use. So I kind of want you guys, whoever's listening, wherever you stand, just stop and think about what a gun is and what that means to you. Because for everyone, it means something different. I grew up on a ranch, and I think that's what I opened up with when I first met uh, Angus, is I grew up on a ranch, and a rifle sat around the house because a mountain lion could break into the chicken coop or where the goats are. And what are you going to do, walk up and say hi to the mountain lion with a stick? Exactly. I encountered bears, and all I had was a stick at the time, and I didn't use the stick to try to protect myself. I turned and did exactly the opposite you're supposed to do. I ran for it. I mean, I will definitely admit that uh, there is a certain cultural aspect of guns, which uh, usually falls down to like movies, where you live. Movies, and, you know, movies, movies, yeah, where TV, you live, media, like, all these things that kind of video games. I mean, they all have like some influence on what a gun is. I mean, absolutely, and it's funny because even here in California, more people than not, contrary to what my professor may believe or. Um, my interaction with him, most y- people our age have actually been pro-gun. Or at least, at the very least, they're not anti-gun or they don't really have a preference. They don't think anything is really wrong. Everybody that I've met, even at my workplace, has agreed with that. You know, maybe they lied, but they seem pretty genuine and... I'd be lying myself if I said that the topic hadn't come up before. And they always, like, maintain their exact answers. So maybe they're, maybe the overall, like, population consensus about guns as a whole is also misunderstood. So what did he say next after you kind of blew his mind with whole, like, uh, you know, if your friend wanted to jump off the building, that gun wouldn't have stopped him? So what was the next thing? After he admitted that he was a pacifist, I basically said, well, that's just fine. Me, personally, I have a bit of a different viewpoint. Not that there's anything wrong with pacifism. Um, because I remember this line from a movie. It's an old movie. So maybe the people, our listeners, like they don't realize it exists. But a good movie even though it's a bit sad, is called Falling Down, and it expresses some really interesting concepts. One of the lines that the main character says in the movie is, I'm not... He says something to the effect of, I'm not hating on you. I am just disagreeing with you. That's why our country exists, so that we can freely disagree with each other and continue existing as a united whole. And I want you guys to understand, whoever's listening to this this point of 36 minutes into the podcast, <laughs> Angus and I don't share every single opinion the same. Oh, totally. And and, and neither do a majority of people on my uh, contacts list, or a majority of people that come on here. And that's why it's so important for us to share information on this, because this is not censored. This information is going to be for everyone here. And I think it's important to even understand that, hey, Angus has a testimony. He went in the class wearing this shirt, 
And look at this. He's having a conversation with someone that's dedicated their life to education. And he's talking to a pacifist about his views. Exactly. A lot of people, I feel like even in general, they're afraid, whether it's of judgment or something else, they're afraid to commit to being authentic. So, after he agreed with that, I agreed to disagree with him. And we agreed that it was kind of a cultural issue. Um, the causes of violence, basically, like, that go on nowadays. And that it's the cause of other things, not just firearms. Now, I don't discuss this on, on Candy Fathom very often, but I, I'm also in my studies still. And I plan to study for a long time. And my main focus of study is uh, the social sciences. And one of the biggest issues in California is a good portion of psychopaths actually exist in California. Did and you know that one in five CEOs is dedicated with psychopathic um, tendencies? And I'm not in a position to make a full link on that. However, I can make assumptions about people that have nihilistic or maybe narcissistic approaches to their sense of being. Everyone has a different uh a different path and and unfortunately some people are very selfish and that may lead to certain career decisions. And uh, it, it being a manager isn't easy and I think a lot of people don't tend to give that enough credit, you know. Being a manager you're you're managing uh, the problem that you're having with your manager is a one-to-one issue. It's between you and the manager. However, yeah. that same problem that that manager is experiencing, imagine the 16 people that he's experiencing that same problem with, whether that be him or them, you know, calling out of work or maybe faking their sickness or trying to get a raise. And I mean, this is every single day a manager deals with this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, empathy is an important human condition that a lot of us overlook, especially in today's era. And, I mean, it's just... I think sometimes we do just have to have a little bit of empathy. There's a certain uh, convenience. Kind of... or, not to cut you off, but there is a certain convenience to looking at people as just numbers on a spreadsheet instead of, like, people that may have their own lives or needs, for sure. It could get very difficult managing anything... Not just when you have, say, maybe like 10 people on your team, but imagine if you're a department manager, you could be managing over 100 people at a time, such as the case at my work. Okay, so we we hit the gun law thing. Where did you guys end up going with all of this? We ended up essentially... The entire class remained quiet. Like, nobody else, like, jumped in. It was just me and him, like, battling off our views. And he's told... And he told me, well, I think that guns are, like, the main cause of, like, all this strife in America. And I said, well, I disagree. I feel like that's just blaming some... That's blaming a tool. Nobody blames a hammer for smashing their finger, right? So it's it's... Almost the exact same concept. You can't just, like, blame a tool that's being used for something improperly. Now, this tea's hitting me pretty strong, as it is. It's a lot of caffeine. But I would like for anyone that's listening to really look into this topic, you know? Because you really need to fathom this. Because I've brought someone in here that's pro-gun. There's also me, which I carry 
a firearm for my job to protect myself from essentially an armed terrorist or maybe I call it domestic terrorism. Anyone that's going in there trying to kill or terrorize innocent people. And if there wasn't for that, I mean, there's always going to be a bad guy out there that's going to have a bigger stick than you. No matter how many people are completely jovial, for every 99 people that say yes, even though it's something that's maybe good, there's always somebody that wants to be contrary. I don't know necessarily the psychological significance behind it. But we've all met people like that, right? Even though it's like, why would you be obstinate about this? They just say no anyway because they can. I just want you guys to be open-minded to what Angus is saying here, you know? And And it's amazing that he's putting it in such a beautiful context. But just understand that the foundation of this country, the slaves did take arms to fight against their slave owners. And that's something to really fully consider when you think about North America. This country's young, but however, you need to understand that if there wasn't weapons, I mean, how would we turn against those evil slave owners that fought for the South? People that would abuse their power, how would you be able to have your right? I feel like the people who make the argument of, Oh, what are you going to do? Is your, like, little gun going to, like, take out, like, the government or whatever? Like, I feel like there's a lot of people that use that argument. And but that's not no, the point. That's not that's the point. Not the point. That's not yeah. the point at no, all. No, because the, because the government is the people. And that's the biggest thing is those there shouldn't be much of a distinguishment between those two. And this isn't a political podcast. This is can you fathom this idea? You know, just play with this idea in your head and, and maybe... Maybe do some research on both sides to see where you could stand. Because obviously everything in life is nuanced. And for that same reason, I make sure that I keep an open mind. If I don't hear out gun control arguments, then I cannot proclaim to actually be pro or anti-gun or anything. Because I don't have all of the facts. I don't have somebody else's perspectives that may be well-founded. For the most part, I can speak where I stand intelligently, which isn't, which is to say I can't about many things, but guns being the exception of that rule. And if anybody wants to ever have like a conversation with me about it, I'm always down for that because new perspectives is what makes any academic argument about anything so important. Yeah, that's part of critical thinking. That's part of critical reasoning. That's part of logic. That's part of what is higher education. Anyways, Angus, would you have anything that you could plug in for anyone so in case they want to reach out to you or maybe they have to they want something to say to you or maybe they want to have some dialogue, you know, some decent dialogue. Any of my viewers that's listening, please keep any of the dialogue as professional as possible. Angus is professional and I haven't seen anything to me that's questionable in terms of his ability to be rational. So, Angus, do you have any information that you can give out so someone can contact you? Um, if anybody wants to email me to discuss anything, they can reach me at angus at five sunchasers. That's the number five dot com. And I check my email, you know, every day, just like anybody does. So 
I'm always open to have a discussion at that point. All right. For those I, that reach out. For those that want to reach out, uh, this is Can You Fathom Podcast. I appreciate you guys coming in and listening and putting your time forward. And for anyone that's listening, also consider opening your own podcast. You could use the Anchor app, and it broadcasts to Spotify and makes everything super easy. Thanks again, Angus, for coming on. And it was- My pleasure, Val. Thank you.